0: Hello, folks. Dr. Tim Jordan here. If you're the kind of parent who wants to remain an influence in your daughter's life now, through the teen years, and on and on, then you've come to the right place. Uh, This podcast, Raising Daughters, comes to you every two weeks normally, but I'm going to give you an extra one this week because of what happened this week in Washington, D.C. The attack on our capital by the violent mob has caused a lot of angst in our culture, Uh, a lot of anger, disbelief, fear, A lot of parents are wondering, how do I talk to my kid about this, about the violence? And the fact that so many of you have questioned me about this, I think, is a reflection of the depth of anxiety that's that's coming to parents, and they're worried about their kids. So I thought I would give you some ideas today about perhaps how to deal with this issue with your kids. How do you talk to them? Um, What are some good pointers about dealing with things like this that happen in our country, in the world, and that's hitting the news uh, 24-7. First and foremost, watch your emotions. Kids always mirror the adults around them, especially with, as far as their emotions. So even if you're not talking about what happened this week a lot, your kids will sense your feelings. So sense if you're tense, if you're angry, if you are worried. And they, even though they may not be able to interpret that and know what it's about, they will sense it and they may react to it by getting quiet uh, um, acting out, being distracted. There's a lot of ways that they may react, and it's all about they're sensing it, but they don't know what to do with it, and they don't know what, what, it's, about, what it's about. So, of course, you're going to have feelings about what happened. I'm not saying be a robot. What I am suggesting is that it's okay to, to express some emotion when you're talking about it or if, you, if the news happens to be on, because that makes you human. It also lets your kids know that they have permission to feel. Also, if they're sad or scared or angry or whatever. But there needs to be a good balance between showing your emotion to give your kids permission, but also not being so overwhelmed that you overwhelm them. Because our kids are always watching us, and if they feel like we're on overwhelm emotionally about anything, including this crisis that happened in our nation's capital. Then what a lot of kids will do is they'll say th- to themselves in their head, my parent's on edge, my parents is my parent uh, can't handle any more on their plate. And so sometimes they shut down and don't express what they're thinking or feeling because they're so worried about their parents. So I don't want that to happen. I want them to look at you and see somebody who can listen and, and be there for them. And that brings me to number two, which is listen. And I know that's obvious, we, need just, we always need to listen to our kids, but especially when something like this happens, we're going through a, a crisis, troubled times, a lot of times when our kids come to us, we feel like we need to give them a ton of information, we need to give them feedback, we need to, we need to give them instructions, we need to parent them, when in reality, what they really need, oftentimes, perhaps most times, is just for you to listen. They just need to be heard. There's gonna be times when they they need and they want some information or feedback. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But mostly they just wanna know that you're there emotionally for them, to support them. And your calm, attentive presence is critical. If they come to you with, with emotion and you can listen to it without reacting, it's like you become a container for them to help them to sort of dissipate their energy so they don't get overwhelmed. So, be a good listener, which means, though, that you have to be present. It also means you need some downtime in your home so the kids know if they do have things they want to talk about, that their parents have the time to, to listen. If you're really distracted and rushing around and stressed out, then they look at that and they say, my parent has no time for me. Even if you may think you do, they may sense that and react in that way. And as you listen to them, I would find out what they're really thinking and feeling and what they're really asking for. Because sometimes we jump to conclusions and we start giving them a whole lecture about things when in reality they just need a simple piece of information. Let me move on. This this next one I think might be something you haven't thought of. And that is, I want your kids, if they're old enough, and old enough means, you know, middle school probably, I want them to understand a mob mentality or the herd mentality, mentality. And that's one of the things that I think happened this week in, on, in the Capitol. You know, human beings evolved to need social approval and the need to belong to a group because being part of a group meant you had a much better chance of survival. That has been wired into our brains for 150,000 years. Because back in prehistoric, ancient, dangerous times, if you got kicked out of the group or you didn't belong to a group, there's a really good chance you were not going to survive. You were going to die. So when people are part of a group... The other thing that happens is they oftentimes experience what they call de-individu- de-individuation. It's like a loss of self-awareness. It's like they still, all of a sudden, they lose their individuality. They start losing their reasonableness, and they start to just uh, uh, think and talk more like group talk. And this makes them vulnerable to lose their inhibitions and to not follow their normal restraints and to do their normal, uh, uh, correct decision-making. It's that de-individuation. It's like that's part of that mob mentality that means they oftentimes don't make good choices. Our brains have also been programmed to assume that if other people are thinking or doing something, that it must be correct. So we don't have time as human beings to research every different aspect of our life. And so we became dependent upon other people to guide us. So we wouldn't waste energy with, with having to figure every little thing out. We also, in our brains, have something called mirror neurons. And that part of our brain is, was designed to keep track of what other, people, what other people are doing, what people are thinking, and what they're feeling to help us connect with people and help us find our place in the group. So if you knew what was going on in the group, you, you're in on the gossip, you're listening, uh, and you were kind of mirroring th- people back and forth, you, you had a much better chance of being part of the group. Think back to when you had an infant in your home maybe a three month old, where when you had that nice, beautiful rhythm, I hope, developed where you would smile and the baby would smile. Or the baby would smile and you would smile. And the baby would coo and you would coo. And the baby would turn away, needing a break, and you would turn away. The same thing that happens when you're talking to a friend and you cross your arms and they cross their arms. And if it's really intense and you're kind of leaning forward, if you kind of need a break and you kind of lean back, they lean back. It's that nice synchronicity that back-and-forth movement that becomes part of the relationship. It's a really important way that we connect with people, the way we feel close to people. So, um, the other thing that happens, though, with that mirroring is that emotions, temptations, and rule-breaking are contagious. So if we see people ignoring the rules, we're much more likely to give in to any of our own impulses. And that's what is part of what happens with the mob mentality is that when we become part of that and we're mirroring what's going on around us, we lose our individuation and we start to do what everybody else is doing. Again, that's part of that old brain wiring. The other thing is, when you're part of a like a mob like there was the other day with hundreds and thousands of other people, what happens is everybody feels a little bit less responsible for what's going on. They feel, They feel less responsible for their own part of it, their violence, the things that they did, because they perceive themselves as part of a group, and so it's kind of a group thing. It wasn't them. So I think if your kids are old enough, and you can be a good judge of that, I would educate them about this herd mentality and about mirror neurons. It's not just about understanding what happened in D.C. this week. It's also about understanding peer pressure and why we uh, give in to peer pressure a lot. But this is another way that peer pressure, quote-unquote, shows up in that herd or mob mentality. Another thing, awareness. Encourage encourage your kids when they're in groups, when they're out with their friends, or when they're at parties and things, once COVID is over. (laughs) Encourage them to be aware of what's happening around them, to not just be on autopilot where you're just following everybody else's lead, but to keep checking in with themselves to, to assess if their gut is telling them something. If their intuition, if their internal alarm is going off saying, uh, you might want to think about this or that's not the right thing, I want them to always be tuned into that, when they're, especially when they're in groups. Because of that mob mentality and the mirror neurons, there's a, there's a sense of being more vulnerable to ignoring the alarm and not listening to your intuition. So I want them to go into situations having thought about, I just need to make sure I keep checking with my, checking with myself. That means they have to learn along the way to identify and then trust their intuition. So warn your kids that when they refuse to conform to the group, their brain is going to go on high alert and their brain may go haywire. Their brain is saying, conform, do what they're doing. You got to belong to this group. Don't get kicked out. Don't do anything stupid. Do what they're doing because if you don't, you're going to die. But you need to remind them that this is the old kind of reptilian part of their brain that was developed in very ancient, dangerous times when conforming to things was a life-or-death choice. Today, in this, uh, in this year, it isn't so life-or-death most of the time. So if they can learn to just calmly notice these thoughts in their brain and the feelings that come up if they decide to do something different from the group and they just notice those thoughts and feelings and don't act on them or believe them, What they'll discover, like they probably have already before, is that those thoughts and feelings pass through them, and pretty quickly. As long as they just notice it in a kind of a mindful, detached way. The brain wants another shot of dopamine. The brain wants a shot of dopamine to the reward center, which is what happens if you conform. So they're going to have to learn how to recognize what's going on and do it different. I think another thing that we can do with our kids when something like this happens in the world, a crisis or something that uh, is disturbing, is to try and relate it to their own lives in some way. For instance, they could relate what happened maybe to bullying. I think Trump and Giuliani and others were using really strong words like attacking people and combat and using force. That's the same mentality as bullies do. Overpowering people they think are weaker or people who have less status or less power having a power differential because they're the authority figure, they're the president or they're in charge of this or that. I think a lot of our kids have been in situations where they felt overpowered by someone who has had more status. And particularly, I'm thinking about the girls I work with, you know, the queen bees and the groups and the, and, uh, the uh, drama, the cliques, things like that. So I want them to, to maybe relate that to a bullying kind of thing. And to remind themselves to not give in to or follow the loudest voice in the group. They don't need to follow the popular kids, or the people with the highest status in their group. When I work with classrooms of girls with my wife in our Strong Girls, Strong World program, we do some role plays to help the kids identify the difference between a bystander and a guardian. A bystander is somebody who either stands by and just kind of watches someone be teased or made fun of or excluded or bullied, or they may, or they may uh, add in, or add on to it, versus a guardian, which is somebody who stands up for their friends. Somebody who says, I'm not doing this. Somebody who says, this isn't right. Somebody who says, leave them alone. Somebody who takes action to help and be kind to that other person. So you can talk about bystanders and guardians with your daughters, so they understand the difference, and maybe talk about times when they've been one or the other. There's times when we become bystanders because we're afraid. Think of all the people who have been scared in the last four years to, to go against the wishes of our president and, and people like that. And they, and they remain bystanders because of their fear. Have your daughters see if they can relate to that. But also have them uh, talk about times when they, when they have stood up for themselves or other people, when they've been a guardian. And how did they, they bring up the courage to be able to do that in those moments? I also think you can let kids know that it's not just kids who are threatened or bullied sometimes. There are times when we as adults are threatened, when people are overpowering us, when they're not listening. And so what do we do? We turn to a higher authority, like police, our lawyers, the court system. So I think it might be interesting with your kids to start noticing in the next days and weeks, maybe months, to see what happens to the people who attack the Capitol. Do they get caught? Do they, do, they put, do they get put in jail? Are they held accountable? Um, are there more uh, police at the inauguration, which is happening in, I think, 12 days? Is there more protection around uh, the government and the office and the Capitol and, and the inauguration process? In other words, even adults sometimes have to turn to a higher authority for protection when it's not safe. It's not that different from their need to reach out for help sometimes. If there's somebody who's bullying them, teasing them and won't stop, even though they've tried, then that's the time to reach out to your parents, to a teacher, to the principal, to a coach to say, I've tried everything I can and they still won't respect my boundary. I need some support. So maybe they can relate to that. Another way to support your kids... Uh, based upon what happened in D.C. this week, is is they need information, especially as they get older. So I would uh, gather some information, or do it with them from different sources, whether it's articles or whether it's different news stations. Uh, if you listen to the same news station or just one uh, one writer, then sometimes you get a skewed version. So I think you can teach your kids to listen to different TV stations, and read different kinds of writers to get different kinds of views on what's been going on. So gathering information, helping your kids have that, I think is important. I also think it's important to give them a historical context for all this, a historical perspective. This isn't the first time the Capitol was breached. This isn't the first time our democracy has been under fire. So I would talk to them about times in history when it's happened before. If you're not sure about that, then read. There's lots of things I've noticed already. Been people talking about historical context. Read that. Bring it up at the dinner table. Bring it up with your kids if when they're older. Older meaning at least middle school and high school, probably. And give them that historical context because it puts things into perspective. If you just listen to the TV set today, you may feel like the whole world is going to end. When in reality, we've we faced a lot of things not just the U.S., but other countries for over the last 150,000 years, and we've gotten through those times, whether we're talking about World War I or World War II or the communist scare or 9-11, etc. Another piece of information that they need, and this is something I want our, our kids to be receiving all along the way, is to learn how to critically think about what they're seeing and what they're hearing and what they're reading especially when it comes to social media, because that's where our kids get a lot of their information. You know, when they're looking at something on social media, are those people who are putting that information out there, are they trying to give accurate information or are they trying to provoke a reaction? I would teach your kids to check out sources and, and reviews to make sure that it seems credible. I think we've sort of lost the ability to analyze things that we read and that we see. Um, And also help them, if you see something that's like a, a, it is fake news, if you get something that you read and you realize there's a lot of misspellings and it just doesn't seem right, show them that. Help them sharpen their analytical thinking skills when it comes to gathering information. And the more they learn how to do that, the better off they'll be. Sometimes in the summertime at our camp, we'll do an exercise with girls, and I've also done this at some father-daughter retreats with my wife. We're in magazine covers from like Glamour magazine or like, like teen magazines. And we, if we can, we blow them up and then we, sh- we slack them. And then we have small groups of girls get different magazine covers and they just have a chance to observe them and discuss what they see on the, on the cover. What picture is there? How would they pose that woman or that girl? What kind of words are on that cover? Where are the words on the cover? And why are they there? Why are they using those words and why they place them in that part of the cover? You're starting to teach your daughters to look at things more critically and to understand there's a reason why advertisers and people do what they do. I would have discussions about that. They want you to see and they want you to believe something because they're trying to sell something typically. So notice the words, notice the placement, and the same thing goes for things they're going to be reading about what happened at our nation's capital a few days ago. And I would allow open discussions in your home about how how your kids feel about what happened. Have some debates. I would teach them to get in the shoes of the opposite side and see things from their perspective. There's no way we're going to bridge the gap between the the polarities we have in our country right now until people start... Having the ability to start looking at the other person's point of view as well as their own; otherwise, you're just shouting at the top of your voice, your point of view. They're doing the same, and nothing gets handled, nothing gets settled. The last thing I thought, as far as information goes, is I've uh, I was thinking about this as we I was watching it unfold. I was I was texting with my kids and my wife, and one of the things I said was um, how different it was in the way they were handling this mob scene. I said, I can't imagine what would have been different if this was a Black Lives Matter protest march that was doing what, what those people did this week. And what does that mean? It'll bring up a conversation, I'm sure, with your kids about that how much inequality is still present in this country. People of color are going to see this event differently than people like me who are Caucasian. You can talk about has there been any progress made in the last hundred or hundred fifty years when it comes to our races and discrimination and bias and racism? This is another opportunity for that that issue is right in our face. So talk about it, read about it. Re- I've read several books in the last six months about the topic because I wanted to educate myself further because I realize I'm I'm more ignorant than I thought I was. So I would educate your kids about that too. And this is another opportunity because it's right. There in front of us. If you have young kids, and by young I mean preschool or even grade school, you know, especially up to third, fourth grade or so, I would limit the exposure. TV, you know, newspaper, discussions. Uh, I wouldn't want to talk about it nonstop in front of them because obviously because they're younger, they have a harder time than older kids in being able to distinguish between what's real and what's fantasy, what's real and what's hyperbole. Um, so they're going to hear things, and they may not understand, so you might want to give them some information if they're asking. But if they ask you a question about what they saw or what they heard, I would always ask, answer their question with a question by saying something like, so where would you hear that, or what do you think, or why is that worry you? And then when they tell you what their answer is, you'll get a sense of, oh, this is what a piece of information they actually need. I don't need to go into a 30-minute discussion about about the Jim Crow movement or whatever. Uh, they just need this piece of information uh, to feel safe right now. Uh, and even though you may not be talking about, about the mob insurrection, whatever you want to call it, happened this week, if you're not talking about it, your kids will sense your emotions. Young kids can sense their parents' emotions very well. And so if by, because they're so sensitive and they sense that, They'll find some way to react to it, like I mentioned earlier earlier when I talked about how kids mirror us. And I think the kids who are most vulnerable to all this are sensitive kids. There are some kids from birth who are just more sensitive to to hearing things that are sad or things that are scary. Kids who end up having nightmares if they watch a, a scary movie. Kids who care deeply about what's happening around the world, they have a big heart when they hear stories about people who are suffering or people in pain, it really gets to them. So I think those kids especially need to be protected. They need to be shielded enough that they can, that it doesn't overwhelm them or overpower them, especially when it comes to things like the TV, pictures, pictures on social media, etc. So I would listen to your kids a lot to hear where they're coming from, to hear what they need. Sometimes they, they need some information to correct some false thinking. Sometimes they need information to kind of further the depth of what they understand. Sometimes you can spend some time brainstorming any action they might want to take. They might want to write th- their congressman. They may want to write their senators. They may want to raise some money for somebody. Remember too, that what is unexpressed becomes unmanageable. So they need to express their emotions their feelings about how they feel about what's going on. Otherwise that builds up and then causes a lot of symptoms. I've talked about that before in these podcasts. I also want them to learn, a couple last points here. I want them to learn from from what happened this week that their words have power and their words have an effect on other people. And to be very mindful about what they're saying. I wish our politicians and our president and people around him had been more conscious and sensitive to their words this week we may have avoided what happened on Capitol Hill. I also would tell them the same thing that Mr. Rogers told us a long time ago, which is when there's things going on that are scary, to look for the helpers. People who are being of service, people who are helping other people, people who are taking action, people who are making a difference. If you're focusing on the helpers and then you're gonna be less scared and you'll probably have more hope. Focus on gratitude that what happened was horrible, and it didn't work, and the process went ahead and and worked, and we have a new president, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So you can focus on the gratitude, anything you may find that that you can be grateful for about um, what happened this week. And it's important that we all keep hearing what's going on because I think we all need information, and I also want you to spend some time having fun playing board games, going outside, taking walks, kicking soccer balls, playing card games. They, your kids need to see you um, lighthearted as well. And they need to connect. They need to feel close. They need to feel comforted. They can't do that if everybody is is rushing around distracted, if people are emotionally distracted, if there's uh, the TV is always on and people are distracted by that. So I would turn off the news, I would turn off your phones, and I would connect as a family as much as you can, because that gives kids the kind of comfort they need, comfort that they need when there's times going on that may, where they might feel unsafe. I hope this information has helped. I also hope that you have hope and have the historical context that says we're going to get through this, that things are going to get better not sometimes just because, but also because maybe you can do something about it. Maybe you and your kids can find some way to take some action. But most importantly, take action in your home by being present, by being a good listener, um, by taking care of your own emotions. If you need to talk through stuff because you're really upset, then call your best friend or talk to your spouse or talk to your mom, talk to your sister or your brother. Handle that with other adults so that when you're with your kids, Your emotions don't overwhelm them. I'll be back here uh, in the next week or so with a new podcast. Uh, If this was valuable to you, pass it on, please. I always love it when you share those. Uh, If you don't agree or if you agree, send me some feedback. I'd always appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate you stopping by here and listening to these. I will see you back here in a week or so. Swimsuit, check. Sunscreen, check. Phone charger, check.